encourage them to de-average their thinking, right? Can you isolate pockets that are big deviations from the average? And when you can, pockets of anything, right? Whether it's product margins, customers, marketing, anything. And when you can do those and you just see this sort of tier version of everything that you're doing, so much becomes immediately clear. And I think mm-hmm. the data tools are now there that even small companies can do this and de-average their thinking and therefore de-average their actions. Hello and welcome to the EcomOps podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the EcomOps podcast. Today, I'm talking to Richard Harris, who is the founder and CEO of BlackCrow AI, a no-code real-time machine learning-based predictive software that helps companies to understand likely customer behavior. Oh my God. Real-time machine learning-based predictive software. This is huge. <laughs> That's Richard. a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you. Uh, Great you're to be a, here. a veteran entrepreneur, yeah. So involved into tech since the 90s. Yeah. Then cut the teeth into the world of consulting. Involved into a 10 billion dollar brand during the dot-com boom. Continued a serial founder with BlackGrow. It's your third VC-funded startup. And outside of work, you enjoy painting, drawing, and sculpture. That's cool. And you also play the guitar. Tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us a bit about BlackGrow AI. As you mentioned, I've been doing tech entrepreneurship for about 20 years. I started my career at the Boston Consulting Group, which was really my business education. Then started my first tech company with my office mate from BCG and the woman who lived, who worked in the office. Uh, lived is not a, a bad descriptor either, but who worked in the office beside us. And I've been doing this ever since. And Black Crow really emerged out of a lot of observations. So most of my companies have been in the sort of digital commerce transactional space. And we realized there was just sort of a big gap in that most of the analysis being done was retrospective, right? So you would look at past data to try to understand what the future would look like. And that's sort of the norm across multiple industries. And in my last company, we had a Skunk Works, a very different use case. It was about risk mitigation. But that group of machine learning engineers started tackling a bunch of very tough problems in machine learning, especially around real time. And we realized that the way that machine learning was being applied generally was happening for large companies, sort of the Fortune 500. It really could enable you to look into the future of your key KPIs, understand how they were going to move. And so that you could take take action now to affect the outcomes. But that sort of technology was not really available to the middle of the market, say a Shopify store with 10 million of GMV. And so that seemed to be a real white space for us. And so our mission is we set out to deliver Fortune 500 grade machine learning. So the ability to predict the future of your business and the key KPIs in your business, but making it available fast, cheap, and easy. Uh, for less than the cost of a data scientist, available to install with one click and make it free to try so you can see the value for yourself. So that was sort of the origin of it is how do we get this powerful technology in the hands of anyone? That's cool. That's really great. I mean, to give 
smaller companies also the ability to use features that only big companies have access to is really a great plan. But how does BlackGrow AI unlock the power of AI for the mid-market e-commerce companies? So AI is obviously on a lot of people's minds at the moment, particularly in generative ChatGPT and DALI, yeah. etc. We're in a almost different sort of area of AI or machine learning, which is around predictions. And that's really about making sense of the massive amounts of data that businesses generate. And they generate business from their, their shoppers, their website visitors, from their supply chain, from their marketing. Really, just the business just kicks off data. We're very focused on the core data, for now anyway, that determines sort of how the performance of an e-commerce brand is going to pan out. And so in particular, that's around user behavior, right? So understanding, if you think of an e-commerce company as really this CAC LTV engine, right? There's the customer acquisition cost, CAC, and then there's the lifetime value. And really, there's a product or a service at the center of most e-commerce companies, or really all e-commerce companies. And in addition to that product, really, they are CAC LTV engines. So what is the cost of bringing a consumer in front of your product? And then what is the value of having done so? And so if you're going to get better at that CAC LTV equation, you really need to understand your customer data. And I think everyone amidst all the landscape changes and the data environment, everyone understands that sort of first party data, owning your data, that is going to be the source of innovation and advantage. But the reality is that there's just too much data for humans to make sense of. And it's really a job for machines. And so the things that we do are about making sense of that massive amount of data, especially the real-time event data that comes from users interacting with your website. So how they move through your commerce site, how they're shopping, how they're refining their searches, all of that is extraordinarily rich data, but because there's so much of it and it's happening in real time, it's really impossible to make sense of it. With Black Crow, literally with a click, you really get access to two things. One is better first-party data, and I can explain that, and then making sense of it in the form of predictions. So literally 20 milliseconds after anyone does anything inside of your website, you can understand, for instance, their future value. How likely are they to buy or subscribe? How likely are they to churn? And with that future value knowledge, which you now have available to you on 100% of users, you can make much, much better decisions across, across your business. If a user visits my store, you can tell me if this user going to buy or not. Yes, from the moment they arrive. That's really awesome. <laughs> it sounds but, like magic, but uh, yeah. it's true. But how do I use that information? What, does it, what value does it give to me? Even before we get there, let's start at some of the basic, it really is data infrastructure. But I think everyone has got the message that data is the new oil and yes. first-party data especially is critically important, right? It's an asset of every e-commerce brand. And there's a whole bunch of ecosystem changes happening now, particularly coming from Apple and Safari, where brands are sort of in less control of their data than they have been in the past. And so in order to really make sense of your first party data, first, you need to make sure that you have access to it, that you own it, that it's present and logged. And then the second is you need to make sense of it. And then once those two sort of more foundational things are in place, there's a bunch of value that can be deliver delivered from having this better handle on your data. I'll just quickly turn on the two foundational things. So one is actually knowing who your users are, recognizing them. 
And there, if you've been following Apple ITP and all the recent changes, brands are less and less able to do this foundational thing, which is understanding when their users are returning to visit them, meaning someone who may have purchased in the past, someone who may have uh, signed up for your email newsletter or for SMS alerts. When they come back, you don't know that that's them because of cookie expiration dates, et cetera. And so one of the big things you as a brand can do is getting back your ability to recognize your returning visitors. That's something that's part of the Black Crow AI platform. And so when you when you install us, um, all of a sudden you're now able to recognize 100% of your returning visitors through a server-side identifier. Normally, if you had, say, a cadence in Klaviyo where if one of your known users uh, came back, added something to their cart, you might have a set of email flows that you would re-engage them with. So if they added to cart and left, you might say, hey, this product, you know, don't forget about it. That ability to do so had been cut off uh, for a large swath of your visitors who are signed up with you. We now restore your ability to do that. Now, once you recognize all of your users, it's much, much more valuable to have these predicted future values associated with them. If you ask the question, we always sort of ask this with our brands, what's your conversion rate? For the most part, brands will have an answer. They'll say my conversion rate is 2%. What you realize, and that's sort of thinking of your whole business on average. What you realize is there's actually no 2% customers, right? There's populations of your visitors that will convert at reliably at 65%. And there's other populations of your visitors that will re- reliably convert at 0.02%. But you know that knowledge of who's who in advance has never really been available. So if you now think of just take those two, say they're deciles or ventiles, 10 or 20% of your users are going to convert at 65%. And then ask yourself the question, if I knew that in advance, is there anything I would want to do differently for them than what I do for my 0.02% customers? And when we ask brands this, the answer is yes, everything, right? So I want to market to them I want to spend on them. I may want to merchandise differently. I may want to change my discounting or promotion strategy. I'll care more about them opting into my email and SMS flows. So there are all these very different things in terms of the time, money, experience you want to deliver to different segments of your population that you can now do. And so when we first started out about two years ago, when we really hit the market, the number one use case, and this is still the big question on the minds of many brands is how can I make my marketing more efficient in particular? How can I return it to the days of pre-iOS 14.5, pre-updates to ITP? And so now when you know the future value of users, you can allocate your spend on customer acquisition, retargeting, re-engagement much, much more effectively. And that's what really, that's one example of things you can do much more efficiently. Maybe stop spending on the 0.02% audience and make sure you're spending as much as you can profitably on the high future value users. That's really very well described. I think everyone got this. In short, you are as a one use case helping me as a shop owner to understand the right audience, the real people behind this anonymous visitors and help me to target to the right audience and better allocate my ad spend in the right direction. That's right. To get more and more of these right audience guys on my website. Yep, that's right. That's awesome. That's really cool. What we love here is to hear success stories. Do you have some success stories in mind that you could tell us about? Yeah, in that first use case that I told you about, we have many brands 
who have implemented this. And through the combination of making sure that they are spending effectively, say in Facebook, that tends to be the largest in the meta platforms, Facebook and Instagram tends to be the place where our customers spend a good chunk of their customer acquisition budgets, where if you stop spending on that low value audience, people are very unlikely to buy in the future and start spending at your CPA threshold for the high value audiences. That can lead to an increase of 20 to 40% in your ROAS in the meta platforms. So that's one hard, hard data point. When you combine that with your ability, your renewed ability to recognize users, a big a part of that is you're now able to provide much better data to Facebook, right? One of the things among many that's sort of broken in the growth playbook for many e-commerce brands is the fact that because they're unable to recognize their users, they're unable to pass good data back to, say, Meta for their algorithms to function effectively. And with the user recognition infrastructure that Black Crow delivers, now you can pass much better data to Facebook so they can understand the full cycle customer journey from, say, an ad on Facebook through to conversion or not. They're able to better understand that. And that sort of EMQ or event match quality score will go up pretty significantly. So is this uh, something that you do automatically to pass this data to Facebook or yeah. is this something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're sort of all about. We're starting to get into the weeds of website infrastructure and data flows. We're very focused on making these things extraordinarily simple for brands who are very focused on their product and on their brand and less about all the technical infrastructure or data science. So we like to say anything that Black, any value that Black Crow delivers to you can be done in one click and it can also be measured in 30 days or less. And that's why for all of our products, we let you use them for 30 days for free. We'll guide you through whatever it is you need to do to get them operating, which is not much. And then you can see the data for yourself and the platforms you already use. So you don't need to rely on us reporting anything. You can look in your Facebook dashboard or in your Clavio reporting to see the revenue rise. And you can see all that before you have to subscribe to our service. And does this only work for consumer brands or also for, let's say, SaaS products, software products? Is it only dedicated to Shopify? Or where is your audience? Yeah. Right now, we're very focused on physical goods, on e-commerce, not only on Shopify, um, but I'd say a lot of our customers are in Shopify and it's the sort of easiest to get up and running and started. Good. Perfect. Yeah. In Europe... We have the GDPR, yes, a nightmare for European e-commerce owners. But does your software also work in Europe? It does, yeah. In fact, I'm based in Europe, as we were uh, yeah. speaking about earlier. The thing to know is that we only use the first-party data and zero-party data that brands already own. There's California legislation that mirrors a lot of GP GDPR in the U.S. And so we're not bringing data in or out from anywhere else. What I mentioned at the very beginning is that there's just so much data generated by users interacting with your web pages as an e-commerce store. But for the most part, that data has been dropped on the floor or not processed or made sense of. And so we're just, and we're, we're sort of first party data fundamentalists in that we don't really want to touch third party data in any form, anything that could be sort of privacy scary. So we're a very privacy first company. We're just a data processor. We're just making sense of the data you already own. 
What are some key elements of an effective first-party data strategy? Yeah, I think the most important is recognizing that first-party data is an asset and sort of making the commitment, which doesn't have to be a big commitment of time or money, but just a mental commitment to say, I understand that my first-party data is an asset. I want to maximize it, meaning I want to make sure that I'm logging it. I want to make sure that wherever possible, I have access to or I'm creating the best version of the first-party data that I own. And things like the user recognition infrastructure that I was talking about, that's very important, right? When the tech giants are compromising your foundational ability to recognize your own customers, that just seems wrong. And so what we do is essentially with this infrastructure, we make you able to store and use your own first-party data in the way that Apple wants you to do it. Now, there's a bigger question of like, should we all be doing what Apple wants us to do? Whatever, uh, that's the reality of the world today. And so do it in a way that is privacy first, works with what Tim Cook wants you to do and Mark Zuckerberg wants you to do, and then really deploy it, right? So it's make sure you own your first party data, make sure it's of the highest quality and we can help you with that and then make sense of it, right? So understand, and this is really a job only for machines, and then activate it. So it's those four things. And once you have those basics in place, and with Black Crow, we make it very easy, but once you have those basics in place, you can almost think of it as this data operating system where you understand your data, you're making sense of it, and you're activating it in the most high value ways. So in all of the channels and tools that you already use, but make sure that they are all capitalizing on this new knowledge that you have, this sort of predictive intelligence and the ability to understand who your users are. That makes totally sense. Now, my question is, at what point can I even consider a tool like yours to be implemented? Which size should I already have? How many visitors should I have? How many money should I earn? How much do I need to calculate my spending? If you're very, very tiny, you just may not have enough data to make sense of. But there's really no point or there's no size that's too small to really start mm -hmm. thinking about this. Because if you look at all the wars going on between Apple and Google and Fish, it's all about data. And if they're concerned about it, it is impacting you regardless of whether you pay attention to it or not. So there's no size that's too small. In terms of where we focus at Black Crow, just because of the constraints of our running a business, we tend to start at businesses that are about 5 million of GMV of total sales and above. But there's certainly lessons to be learned from everything we're talking about, even if you're below that size. Okay, that's cool. Let's talk a bit about mistakes. You have seen a lot of e-commerce stores. What are some common critical mistakes that e-commerce businesses still make? The one we see the most is just the average managing your company on averages. And so it means you have one site experience, you have one promotional and offer experience, you have one customer service experience, you have one communication and marketing experience. And that, I understand it because marketers especially have been starved for data, right? There haven't been a lot of tools out there that would let them do anything else than deliver averages across their whole business. But I think now, whether it's with Black Crow or all kinds of other tools out there, you do have the power to de-average. And so when you de-average your user base, you can de-average your business. 
And so it's very common when you think about customer segmentation. But now even for much smaller businesses, uh, you have the power to, to de-average your users in terms of the value they're going to generate for you and their engagement, et cetera, and therefore de-average the actions that you take. And you can think of this in very, very simple terms, just even high, medium, low, right? So I have low value users, medium value, high value. Just in those three buckets, you can really transform your P&L by doing things differently for each of those groups. And that sort of, yeah, I mentioned earlier, I was a consultant at BCG and a big thing that we would do, this is in the pre-machine learning era, but a big thing that we would often do with large corporate customers is just encourage them to de-average their thinking, right? Can you isolate pockets that are big deviations from the average? And when you can, pockets of anything, right? Whether it's product margins, customers, marketing, anything. And when you can do those and you just see this sort of tier version of everything that you're doing, so much becomes immediately clear. And I think mm -hmm. the data tools are now there that even small companies can do this and de-average their thinking and therefore de-average their actions. That's really uh, very helpful. And I think it's also reducing the experimentation time. So many businesses are running EP tests and all these kind of things with audience groups and a lot of traffic and analyzing afterwards how it you will never ever reduce it completely and, and remove it from businesses but you can definitely reduce the experimentation time that, that's right that you spend on all that that's right and that's very interesting as well because it helps your marketing team to make right decisions upfront already even the notion of a b tests which is normally like let me try version a and let me try version b and i'll let them both run There are now in the world of machine learning, very intelligent models that can test multiple things at the same time. And based on much less data, able to forecast predictions, what the results will be and start narrowing down the portfolio of options. So rather than just A, B, you might have A to F or A to Q and all of those tests running simultaneously. And the machine is picking up on the signals of each and you can narrow them down. So you can do many, many more tests in parallel and get to the right answer faster. Yeah, cool. And it also brings me to the topic of influencers, because when I know the right audience, actually, and the right people, I can target the right influencers, right? To, to right. get my products out there. Yeah. And this is actually a very interesting channel. Do you have recommendations on how brands can effect effectively partner up with influencers? Yeah, we take a data sort of approach to everything. But if you just go back for a second to what we were talking about, like from the moment a user arrives, we can predict their future value, exactly how likely they are to buy. Even if a an influencer seems to have high brand affinity, you would think that their, their sort of fan base, their followers seem to align with your audience. It's really hard to make a big commitment, I think, unless you just test it out. And You know, depending on, on what the sales cycle is for your e-commerce company, it can take a while if the consideration time is, say, 10 days or 60 days, depending on what kind of thing you're selling. It may be hard to get a read on, wait, are the users that my brand gets to interact with, okay, maybe they have some affinities, but are they actually buying stuff, which ultimately we all care about? Are they buying stuff? Yeah. Now, absolutely. normally you would have to wait for that whole cycle to happen. Now, because we're predicting the future value of every user, you can get a very early read, like in the first 10 minutes or 10 hours of users coming from an influencer campaign. You can say, is this influencer delivering high value users to me 
or more of those 0.02% low value users. So you can get a read on that very fast and start making decisions about, is this an area I want to put more time and money into, or should I be looking at other areas or different influencers? Okay, got it. Thank you. What advice would you give to e-commerce business owners looking to implement AI-driven solutions with, without a background in technology? Yeah. Find things that are simple. The reason that AI, this branch of AI, has been largely available to only Fortune 500 companies is because it's hard. It's yeah. being able in 20 milliseconds to make these predictions based on hundreds and hundreds of data points in real time. That's not something most brands are going to develop on their own. It's just too expensive and labor intensive. So find ways that you can ease yourself into it where there's a simple integration. You don't want to go through a multi-month or multi-quarter integration only to then find out, actually, this is not delivering any value to me. It should be extremely easy to dip your toe and get some data, meaning is this actually generating revenue for me or is this actually reducing cost for me? And so if you can't, as you dip your toe into these waters, If someone's saying, it's going to take a bit of time and here's what the cost is for the integration, it's probably not the best way to start. Start where it's free and easy to free in terms of what you have to pay a vendor or a company, and also relatively low cost in terms of the time that you or your team needs to invest. So start getting results as fast as possible with as little expense as possible. Good advice. I love it. Cool. It's the way to grow. Yeah? It's the way to grow. So start doing it. Yes. Yeah? This is the thing. Start doing it. Yeah. Time flew. This was really <laughs> quite impressive what we've heard today. Let me ask you the final question of the day. Who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? Oh, wow. That is a tough one. I have a board member. One of our investors is a company called Imaginary VC. They're investors in Majuri and Skim, some of the biggest sort of direct-to-consumer commerce brands out there. And his name is Logan Langberg. And he just has his finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in the world of brands and e-commerce. And I think he delivers really unique insights about the vibe, what the biggest pain points in the industry are. So I put him right at the top. Awesome. Thank you so much. Richard, it was amazing talking to you. We learned so much today and I absolutely agree what you have and what people should do really invest into the possibility to get better insights on the customers, use the data in the right way, start implementing that, let the machine work for us, a, a good chance to implement AI-driven software to our e-commerce stores and finally get more revenue. This is really great. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe for our podcast and keep us a review. Thank you so much. Talk Thanks, soon. Norbert. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time. 